This is titled In the Valley of the Shadow of Death by John Mason. Just as folks along the main coast look out their window around Thanksgiving time to see if there are signs of a storm like that which sent the steamer Portland to its doom, so do people in the White Mountains look at the towering crags above Crawford Notch at this time of year and speculate with a shudder or two on the fate of the folks who lived in the Willie House many, many years ago. I am writing this story because a dozen readers have asked for it over the past few years. They all said, in effect, the old-timers know the tragic tale, but there are many youngsters who visit the White Mountains each year who have never heard what happened on that fatal August night, and we wish you would tell them. The so-called notches of the White Mountains need no explanation. You all know that years ago, when the roads we glide over today were just trails, there was real and ever-present danger from falling rocks, landslides, turbulent streams, and in winter from snowdrifts that defy the imagination. Only the hardiest of souls would attempt to get through the notches in the winter. Some folks had to go through to get out of the mountains with their goods. In Benjamin Willie's book, Incidents in White Mountain History, he graphically described the mile-long lines of sleds and teams winding in and out of the snow-filled mountain passes on their way to the markets of Portland and the outside world. Even in those days, there were tourists, rugged men and women, who had scaled the highest peaks in Europe, and they were always protesting that better trails should be made and more taverns erected for them to stay in. At the time, there wasn't a single house for a distance of 13 miles. From the old Crawford place to the Rosebrook house, and any traveler caught in a sudden snowstorm in a notch was sure to perish. It came as good news, then, that a small story-and-a-half house with sheds and barn was to be built on the barren stretch of Crawford Notch by a Mr. Henry Hill, an innkeeper. But travelers were so infrequent it failed to pay as a hotel and the house for many years lay unoccupied. In 1825, in the fall of the year, Mr. Samuel Willie moved into the, into the one-time tavern with his family and two hired men, and immediately began to restore the place to its former coziness. 
the mountain gales had ripped shingles from the roof, which had sagged under the weight of winter snows. The windows were broken by flying sticks and stones, and the yard was filled with debris from the downpours and high winds. The men worked all fall and winter, patching up, painting, and enlarging the barn. They cut enormous piles of wood to keep from freezing, and only when absolutely necessary did they venture out of the notch for mail or provisions. Each night, the family would gather round the open hearth to roast apples, pop corn, and read the Bible. And many a weary traveler gave thanks when, through the swirling, screeching gale and driving sleet, he saw the faint gleam of Mr. Willie's lamp in the frost-covered snow. There was never a visitor at the Willie house who wasn't awed by the overhanging crags some 2,000 feet in the sky, right behind the house. Many tourists told Mr. Willie it was dangerous to live right under them, but like many of us who get so used to dangerous conditions we fail to notice them anymore, he just shrugged and kept about his work. He did, however, have one warning, and had he heeded it, there would have been no Willie House disaster. In June, after their first winter in the Notch, Mr. and Mrs. Wiley sat by the open window in the living room, watching the mist, which rose like a long, thin veil from the mountain that now bears their name. Suddenly, the whole top of the mountain shook and shivered. Then, a crack appeared in the ledge, and a mighty chunk of earth and rocks broke away. They heard a rumble and a roar as the landslide tumbled down a thousand feet tearing and smashing the giant pines like toothpicks. They were so fascinated and frightened, they couldn't move. But when the last echo died away and the dust settled, they knelt on the floor and thanked God that the slide had passed them by. A minute later, another chunk of mountain let go falling on the opposite side of the house, piling up rocks and mud and tree trunks higher than the tavern itself. That night, Mr. Wiley hitched up the horse and kept the carriage ready with food and blankets, but there were no more slides, and after a few days, the Willies forgot all about them. Such things only occur once in a lifetime, he said. This won't happen again in my day. 
And now I interrupt the story to bring you breaking news from none other than the city of Poughkeepsie. This just in, the city's transfer station has shifted its hours of operation. The city's transfer station on Howard Street is shifting its hours of operation to 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Wednesday through Saturday. It's good that I told you now. Because if you didn't know, what would you have done? Well, we take a moment to take a break from that story about things and places and people. I'd like to ask you, we've spoken about the weather outside quite a bit, I know, but what about the weather inside of you? Is it rainy in there too? Foggy, perhaps? Cloudy? Or perhaps you feel there's a hailstorm incoming. I hope, for the sake of the both of us, that whatever weather is in store for you, you're dressed properly for it. And now, back to the story. That June had been a fair month, with clear skies and fluffy clouds. July was hot, August was hotter and there was an ominous, dry stillness to the air that gave one a sense of impending danger. But the Willies were too busy with their duties to notice such things. For weeks, the mountains baked in blistering sunshine. High on the peaks, above the tree line, the earth cracked open, and soil fell away around the roots of trees. The whole topside of that 2,000-foot mountain was pitted and gouged and dry as dust. August 28th was still and sultry. So sultry, you could hear a pin drop. The leaves drooped from the trees, 
The grass lay motionless. So motionless, you could hear a pin drop. Then the sky became brassy as little whirlpools of dust rose from the trails. The trees stirred uneasily, and far off in the purple peaks came the deep, heavy roll of thunder. Low, black clouds darkened the valley and blotted out the mountains. Then came the storm. No ordinary summer shower. A cloud burst. The lightning was blinding, and the successive thunderclaps echoing from one peak to another made a continuous roar that shook the very earth. I can recall storms in my childhood that I had thought lasted for hours. Actually, they were short in duration, and I can remember how my heart used to pound when the lightning came in the midnight blackness of the countryside. If we could count to ten before the thunderclap, we knew we were safe. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Nine, ten. Then there would be a different sound, a muffled boom that rumbled, and we knew the storm was passing. My Father would raise the windows, and I'd go back to sleep, lulled by the sounds of dripping water and far-off rolling thunder as the storm passed out to sea. In Crawford Notch on that awful August night, there was no time to count between thunder and lightning. They came together. The rain didn't drip. It smashed in sheets against the mountainside and fell in torrents on the wily home. It poured down the chimney, slashed around the rattling windows, streamed in under the door. The whole house shook and swayed from the continuous concussion of power and fury.
up on the crowd-covered crags, 2,000 feet above the Willie House, great masses of rain-soaked soil and tree trunks were tottering on the brink. Tiny streams had become roaring rivers. The cliffs were crumbling and rumbling. As the night wore on, Mr. Willie gathered his family about him, his wife and five children, the two hired men, and a very little dog. He opened his Bible and began, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. A shower of stones fell upon the roof. A sheet of lightning showed him the river was rising and creeping toward the house. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Above the roaring waters and crashing thunder was another sound, a deep, heavy, hollow rumble, coming closer and closer. Then the sound of ten thousand trees snapping like musket fire as a million tons of rock and earth broke away from the mountain peak and crashed headlong into the valley. Mr. Willie opened the door and a wave of muddy water swept across the floor. They were trapped between the flood and the onrushing avalanche. With a child in each arm and the others following, Samuel Willie plunged outdoors into the churning debris. Yea, thought, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil.
The first man to reach Crawford Notch after the deluge was John Barker. It took him all day to ford the swollen streams in the flooded intervales. He was bruised from climbing over the rubble, covered with mud and hungry. He sighed with relief, ah, when he saw smoke curling. from the chimney of the Willie House. But what destruction lay all about it? The yard was covered with silt, the sheds were gone, the barn a shambles of splintered wood, and on either side of the house were towering piles of stone and uprooted trees. The avalanche, sweeping toward the Willie House, had struck a ledge and divided, one part going to the right of the house, the other to the left. In front of the house, it came together again, covering the meadow and field with debris as much as thirty feet high in some places. The house was left completely unharmed. Barker pushed open the door and went in. Whatever will he find through that door? Well, first you'll have to listen to a very exciting P.S.A. After just a few more moments of bird sounds. I'm sure that all the people listening right now are always thinking about social security. I know I am. Which is why you'll all be able to be very excited when I tell you that social security has announced 5.9% benefit increase for 2022. Social Security and Supplemental Security Income, SSI, benefit for approximately 70 million Americans will increase 5.9% in 2022. This cost of living adjustment, COLA, will begin with benefits payable to more than 64 million Social Security beneficiaries in January 2022. Most people who receive Social Security payments will be able to view their COLA notice online through their personal My Social Security account. Once again, it's not mine, it's yours. I don't know why they wrote it this way. 
People may create or access their My Social Security account online at www.socialsecurity.gov/myaccount. And for more details, visit socialsecurity.gov/cola. And now, back to the story, whose titled, I frankly, can't remember at the moment. Barker pushed open the door, and went in. The embers of a fire still glowed on the hearth, and around it was a circle of chairs. The family Bible lay open on a table. He called, but there was no answer. The Willies, he thought, had gone out to look at the damage. He dropped on the couch from exhaustion, and fell asleep. When he awoke, it was dark. And he was conscious of a queer animal-like groan or cry, coming from outside. It sounded something like, "Ah, ah!" He had no light, no means of rescue or protection, so he stayed where he was until the morning. The next day, when he went towards the wreckage of the barn, he heard groans again, ah, ah, and peering through the timbers, saw one of the oxen crushed under a heavy beam. Ah, ah. The other ox was standing nearby. As he released them. A searching party came up the trail, led by Mr. Willie's brother, Benjamin Willie. They didn't have to look far before they came on the mangled remains of Mrs. Willie, and one of the children. Nearby, under the heavy boulders that fell from the cliff, was one of the farm hands, with a few boards. Pulled from the wreckage, they made coffins, and placed the three bodies in one big grave. By now, it was too dark for further searching, so they retired in the Willie house that had been spared by the storm. Next day, the bodies of David Nickerson, the other farmhand, and the twelve-year-old girl. Were located. The three remaining children, two boys and a girl, were never found. Were they buried under the falling earth? Were they swept away by the river? Or did they wander off into the darkness to die of cold and starvation? Or did they, 
as some believe, become queer wild creatures of the mountains. If so, they might have made noises such as, ah, or, ow. There are several theories offered as to why the Willie family left their home. Some think they were, driving out, they were driven out by the rising waters or the avalanche, while others contend that Mr. Willie had constructed a small stone shelter and was trying to reach it when overtaken, perhaps by its beauty. In all probability, it was the flood that drove them out. For while it seems impossible that the river should have come to their door, it is a matter of record that five miles below the notch the waters did rise twenty-five feet in a very short time. There must have been a terrific amount of water pouring down the mountain as well as from the sky. Visitors went to Crawford Notch to look at the storm's damage, and were astounded at the great gaps torn in the mountain peaks and the mile-long ugly scars showing that thirty slides had taken place. In all the romantic and exciting history of the White Mountains, No story has been told as often as the Willie House disaster in Crawford Notch on August 28th after an unusually hot, dry summer. Well, I guess since it's raining so very much on this delightful evening, we don't have to worry quite as much about avalanches, but there are plenty of other things to worry about. I'm sure you'll think of some of them. You know, all this talk about weather has me thinking about the Balloon Boy. That hoax from who knows how many years back wherein a boy was said to be in none other than a balloon high up in the sky. But that has me thinking, why can't we all be Balloon Boys? Would that really be so bad? 
So, let's for a moment imagine that we are balloon boys. We find ourselves rising high, high into the sky, very high, and we are in a balloon. And we look down and we see all the other balloons of the world, and they look so much smaller now. It really puts balloons and balloon boys into perspective of the greater universe. And you wonder to yourself, will I ever come down? Well, I can tell you, all you balloon boys out there, that no, you will not. But high up in the sky, it's simpler. The air is thinner. There's no one to talk to. And you have a balloon all to yourself. Up there, you can achieve pure, full, and true serenity. So, if you can, try to live your life as a balloon boy. And now, I have another very special weather-related activity for everyone to listen to, whether they like it or not, frankly. Yes, you guessed it. I will be reading from and describing the packaging of a very special DVD. This DVD is titled Eyewitness to History Hurricane Season 2004 It is from Severe Weather Center Channel 9 On the cover we have three men presumably Caucasian They all wear ties One is red one is red and gold, and one is blue. Again, that is the ties and not, not the men themselves. Two of them have brown hair. Well, one's hair is blonde, but it could be dyed. Only his stylist knows for sure. The man on the left is giving me a look. He's looking deep into my soul. Whereas the man in the middle has no time to look at me, he is very smug and couldn't care less about little old me. And the man on the right has a very hopeful look. 
in his eyes. But I don't think he knows what to do with that hope. Now we enter the inside of the DVD case, where it reads once again, Eyewitness to history. Again, that to be clear, that is eyewitness, E-Y-E, witness, not I myself witness, because unfortunately, I was not there. Anyway, disc one is all about storm coverage. Follow the storms as Chief Meteorologist Tom Terry and the entire Channel 9 Eyewitness News team take you through the three storms that came directly through Central Florida. This disc contains highlights of WFTV's continuous on-air coverage of Hurricanes Charlie, Francis, and Jean. Disc number two is very special because it has all the special features. The Channel 9 anchor team and meteorologists take you behind the scenes at Eyewitness News. Find out what happened behind the camera during the unprecedented, unprecedented even, coverage of the 2004 hurricane season. Storm stories are first-hand accounts of courage and survival told by the WFTV reporters and photographers who braved the elements to cover the devastating storms. Never-before-seen footage helps tell the incredible stories of heroes and hope that emerged with each passing storm. The word neighbor, in quotes, took on a new meaning as each hurricane swept through central Florida. WFTV9 Family Connection and our partners asked area residents to lend a hand, and the outpouring of support was overwhelming. Take a look at the community recovery. Now, this DVD would not be possible if it weren't for the strong support of our sponsors. Among them are Darden Restaurants, Florida's Blood Centers, not to be confused with Darden Restaurants, Remax, and Central Florida Chrysler Jeep Dodge. Once again, not to be confused with Darden restaurants. It has happened one too many times. Finally, we share some of our memorable moments, what we remember most about the 2004 hurricane season. You may choose to use the forward button on your DVD remote to advance during any of the segments. For more weather moments, log on to WFTV.
dot com. And then there's a big nine, but I don't think that is part of the domain. That wouldn't work. So now that I have read you the, this DVD case, I can't play it because there's no DVD player here, but I do have some weather reports. You can't see the weather report, but you can hear them talking about the weather. It's about 50 years out of date, but I hope you won't mind. Two days from now. 